This week's episode is brought to you by the forthcoming Bamboo Forest Publishing release, Habst and the Disney Saboteurs, featuring an amazing cover by Cadet Emma Levitt. Or Emma Levitt. We're not sure. I apologize if we butcher your name. Either way, it's a great cover. Welcome to season three. Hello and welcome to Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show and of course home of the world's first pair of independently born identical twins. I'm George. And I'm Jeff. And thank you guys for sticking with us for the last few weeks. I know last week's episode was a bit an old one. Actually, we went back to listen to it and... We said something about being recorded in the 70s or something, so that was really old. <laughs> I don't, I'm not entirely sure about that, but uh, this should be uh, the last an, week. What was well, that, it's another example of patent, pan, patent pending Communicore Weekly time travel. Exactly. There was no bloop involved in this one, though, so. No, whew, no, no. Thank God. We, but, we upgraded. Uh, we did upgrade. I don't know what we upgraded to. Maybe we downgraded. Who knows? <laughs> but we have a new show today, so let's listen to this one. It's time for Disney History! So this past weekend, I made a long, long journey up to San Francisco for twofold. First of all, the main reason was because I had some kind of event going on. Nobody really cared about that. But mostly because I wanted to see the Mary Blair exhibit at the Walt Disney Family Museum. Oh. Um, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that first. Um, I went well, there I thought, first. I thought you... I thought you went up there to throw that ring in the fire. Oh, that, I did do that also. Okay. My precious gives it you to and, I'm you, not doing that voice now. I, I okay, do it good, really yeah. well, but... Yeah, um, you and the, and the Gluck Hobbit. And the so. Gluck Hobbit. <laughs> the Globbit? The Globbit? We're going to go with the Globbit. We'll go with that. Anyway, so, so you're talking about the Mary Blair exhibit at the Walt Disney Family Museum. Sorry, yeah. I digressed. Um, it, it, You know, I was very marginally involved in it. Um, I helped record some bits of... Rolly talking about Mary um, for the audio portion of the tour. Um, so, you know, I, I got tickets to do that as well. And it, it was it's took place in the Special Exhibition Hall, which was renamed the Diane Disney Miller um, Exhibition Hall, which is it's gorgeous, by the way. I've never been in that one before. It's very, very nice. And it's just filled with all this artwork from throughout uh, Mary Blair's life, um, you know, starting in her early days and then when she was working for animation, a lot of great concept sketches um, from the El Grupo trip and for the Three Caballeros and uh, Saladus Amigos, um, all, all the way up to her personal artwork, her stuff for the little golden books, um, stuff when she was working on It's a Small World, and of course my personal favorite, there are two crate, like, wooden crate tops that her and Rolly um, painted on and designed and, and did crazy stuff with uh, when they were working on Small World mm. at the World's Fair. And they had two of them there. And uh, one of which Rolly uh, knew was in the exhibit. And then there was a second one that he did not know was going to be there. So it was a nice surprise for him as well when I showed him the picture later on. Um, 
and immensely this, talented this woman was immensely and this exhibit's going on almost until november right uh it, it closes the middle of september so oh, that's right um, okay. I, okay we kind of had a rush through it because keith and i had to get to the venue for the event that later on that day um so i'm definitely going to go back to check it out a little more and spend a little more time there but uh, if you're in the area it's totally worth the money and it's totally worth the money for the the audio tour as well it's, it's definitely well worth the value uh, so definitely go and check that out how long do you think people should spend there for that uh, part the the audio tour itself is probably uh, a little over an hour long if you listen to everything okay. um and then you know when you stop and read all the the, the cards on the on the stuff i mean it, it's probably a two-hour trip uh maybe even two oh, and a half hour just for that exhibit alone but it's worth it i mean it goes by quickly um you know when i was done with my audio tour i handed it over again sorry name dropping uh to bob gurr who's with us <laughs> and he thought it was great he 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 loved every and he he loved staring at her work and even he said this woman was a genius and i wish i knew her a little better um wow. so it was it was pretty cool i really and, really enjoyed it and bob didn't take apart whatever audio player that they gave him and it was an ipod and thankfully he did not and if he did he would have put it back together well that's what i say he would have rejiggered it and made it you know even better He would have made it a million times better Yes, yes. He would have made it transport you around the museum. Yes, yes, because Basically. that's what Bob does. That's, that's what, what he Bob does. does. Okay, so all right, so so then you had some kind of little show or something that you were part of or something, right? Yes, Mr. Gluck and I put on Walt, Wed, and Westcott, and uh, it was, uh, you know, when we did our 30th anniversary of Epcot live show, we had a lot of help from uh, Dusty and Fishbowl from Mice Chat to help put it on. Yeah. So this was a the first time we had to, uh, that Keith and I had to do an event entirely by ourselves from every aspect, from getting the venue together and, you know, getting all the little pieces in place. So it was very, very nerve-wracking and you know, surprisingly, for an event, our first event like that, we had no no problems. Everything ran very smoothly, like clockwork, and it was <laughs> it was great. Um, I think we surprised a lot of people with you know what we had to offer because not only did we do two presentations, Keith and I you know did one about Westcott, and then we both interviewed Bob Gurr about his career uh, after that. But we also had um, a lot of raffle goodie uh, prizes. Uh, we had goodie bags filled with stuff. We had a lot of FaceTime with people uh, with Bob. We had a camera set up so they can get take photos with them. And at the end wow. of the evening, we had uh, him sign autographs for everyone. But I think the main thing that a lot of people took away from it were the video that we showed throughout the night um <laughs> we, we started off with a bang with a musical number which i don't think anyone really expected um with a song written by uh andy taylor of the communicable weekly orchestra thank mm -hmm. you andy um and you know then we had a who was keith and jet video which was okay I don't, I don't think people responded to that as much as we would have liked them to um <laughs> we had an outtake reel at the very end but i think the real e-ticket as keith called it we had a video uh with of us going to bob gurr's house which pretty much killed <laughs> um and I think we decided we're not going to put that video on the internet. We'll probably use it for future events. But if if you saw it at the event, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but it was oh, it was I saw great. it. It was it was oh, and yeah, yeah, I did show it to you. Yes, I, I did see it. I don't think yeah. you saw it with the music and in, in the final cut. Oh, but uh, no, no, none of the special effects. Yes, it was it was quite hilarious. And I think we gave away the most unique Disney collectible that anyone will ever uh, have. And I, I it's a lot okay of to say Keith's this. Chest hair. That actually, he doesn't have any. As we found out because of this part, um, it's a signed photograph of myself, Keith, and Bob, but we're all in a hot tub. 
the hot tub. The hot tub from from Bob Gurr's backyard, and I, I think yes. there's already pictures of it on the internet, on Twitter, on Facebook, and everything. So it's no surprise. But uh, I think people thought that was quite hilarious, and it really showed a little more of our humor and how, you know, I, I guess Bob's humor as well, because he was so open to doing stuff like that with us. Um, but it was a really good time, and I hope people who came out and that are listening to this learned a little bit not only from Bob, but also from Keith and mine's uh, Westcott presentation. And, uh, you know, as soon as the event was over, of course, Keith already started planning the next one. Um, so hopefully it'll be just as good, and I think we're going to plan it on the East Coast, which means, of course, George, you're going to have to be involved in some way. Well, I mean, I'm afraid if Keith is involved, it's going to have a marathon or something in it too. Uh, no, 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 no. I'm no, I'm done committing to marathons with with Mr. Gluck. I'm, good, I'm too tired good. for that. I'm too old. For that. <laughs> Even though he's like 40 years older than I am, I'm too old. I to thought be he was marathons. much older than that, wasn't he? Um, he's pretty old. I mean, I said it a couple of times throughout the evening. I kept ribbing on him yeah. how old he was. I don't think he liked me too much after that. <laughs> well, yeah, I think that sounds fantastic. We can do something on the East Coast, either Walt Disney World or the East Upper East. I don't know what's what's above North Carolina again. We're, we're probably thinking in the New York area, possibly. Who huh? knows? We don't know. We don't know. We'll, we'll see how it goes. But um, a big thank you to all the cadets who came up. Some people came already wearing their cadet buttons and came up to me, and wow. I was super happy about that. So it was really great to see people that we've interacted with before that I've never met face to face. Oh, were there, were there lots of hugs guys. from pretty girls too? Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded really sarcastic. I didn't mean that to come out sarcastically. I'm actually was, legitimately well, saying you, that. That was a question you didn't expect at all. I didn't. I, that totally threw me off. I really meant yes. I'm, I'm sorry if I offended anybody, but yes, there was. <laughs> it was wonderful. A lot of a lot of pictures. We just had a lot of fun. Basically, we like to have fun. So, thank you again to everyone who came out and. Please come out to the next one, wherever it may be, whenever it may be, and go see the uh, the Mary Blair exhibit at the Walt Disney Family Museum, and you will not be disappointed. He's a nerd, he's a geek, but we all like to hear him speak. So listen up to the words from his speech. It's George's Book of the Week. The 1939-1940 New York World's Fair by Bill Cotter, released in 2009 with 127 pages. Okay, so I've got another World's Fair book to share this week, and it's not one about the venerated 64 fair, but its predecessor, the 1939-1940 New York World's Fair. Um, Suffice it to say, there has not been a World's Fair in the U.S. that didn't influence a Disney park, specifically Epcot, in some way. Uh, We don't have verified proof that Walt visited the 39 fair, and when I reached out to animation historian Michael Barrier, he had proof that Walt was in the New York area, and he might have made a visit, we just don't know. Uh, but after reading this book by Bill Cotter, I can see a lot of correlations between the 39 Fair and Epcot. Uh, I've talked about Bill Cotter before, not only for the new 1964 New York World's Fair book, but because he also wrote The Wonderful World of Disney Television. And besides working at Disney for a time in the 70s, Bill is considered the eminent collector of World's Fair photos and memorabilia. Okay, so this book is another fantastic title in the Images of America series by Arcadia Press. It is full of black and white images that really showcase the 39 fair, and it gives you a great overview of what a visit to the fair was like. The book book is divided into different areas and lands of the fair with a look at some of the major pavilions, whether they were countries or business exhibitors. And uh, as a little tease, and you can make some comparisons to Epcot, they had different zones that they called them. 
There was the theme center about the fair, the transportation zone, the communication and business system zone, the food zone, the government zone, the community interest zone, and the amusement area. Let's talk so about the already... food zone. I wanted to go there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think they had uh, corn dogs were debuted. What at the St. Louis World Fair? I think. I don't know. I oh, just well. want to check out the food from. We'll do another one of those. <laughs> Be a little stale at this point in time. Um, so I really enjoy this book. Um, there are many pictures on each page, and uh, Bill has got a lot of text that helps explain what's going on and sort of set the stage. One of the uh, coolest things I learned from the book was that the fair's icons, the Trilon and the Perisphere, were used to promote the fair externally and internally. And during both seasons of the fair, uh, and more frequent, frequently in the second season, special images and words were projected onto the perisphere, which was like a 190-foot-wide sphere, uh, much like you know we've seen done on Spaceship Earth. And during Halloween, they even projected an image of a jack-o'-lantern on the perisphere. Did they really? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds That's kind uh, of insane. Would, yeah, they would say hello and welcome to the fair, but during the Halloween, they put a jack-o'-lantern on my But, but mm. no, no Mike Wazowski. No Mike Wazowski. Yeah, I was just Not getting yet. ready. Yeah, was, that was the next one. Okay, so, so what I think is really special about this book is that the photos are all from fair visitors that took the pictures themselves. Cotter has collected them over the years, and you know he used the best ones that he had in his collection. Instead of the, the static shots you get from PR or marketing with empty pathways and pavilions, you get a really good sense of how crowded the fair was and how people congregated around certain areas and how they dressed, because most of them were wearing suits, and dresses and heels and I would not want to visit a theme park in heels. You, you've tried that, right, Jeff? <laughs> I have a few times. It yeah, not comfortable, it's, guys. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Um, it's also interesting to see the massive queues for the pavilions and the shows, and it makes you really appreciate the uh, queue engineering done by modern theme parks. So this really is a, a, a great addition to your library of anyone interested in Disney theme parks and their evolution. When you compare the zones mentioned earlier with the 1982 Epcot Center, it's obvious that the 39 Fair was a major influence. It's it's not a mandatory purchase. I'm not going to force you to buy it, but I'm really glad I did. I have it in my collection along with the other fair books by the Cotter, by Bill Cotter and Bill Young, and I think you'll enjoy this and get a kick out of it. It's called the 1939-1940 New York New York World's Fair by Bill Cotter. What we liked, what we didn't like, he's in the booze! 60-second review! So we're a little bit behind in our official review for the show, even though we did review this a few weeks ago on Mice Chat, but we are finally going to get around to talking about Saving Mr. Banks, which was just released on Blu-ray. And this movie has been through a storm of praise and criticism from... All different types of people. You hesitated the there. Community. I was wondering what word you were going to think of. Yeah, I thought it was call waiting, uh, podcast waiting. We've got another podcast, podcast calling us. Oh, and, no, no, no. Not this <laughs> time. Like <laughs> so, yeah, you know, there's been so much controversy about it. You know, Tom Hanks playing Walt Disney, shooting in Fantasyland today and, you know, having current attractions there, as well as the, you know, sort of the fictionalization of the story. But, you know what? I loved it. I thought the film was fantastic. Did you see I, it in the theaters? I don't remember if you saw it in no, the No, no, I didn't, didn't see it in the theaters. No, we, we chose to go see Ender's Game because that's what the 15-year-old wanted to see. Oh, okay. Understandable. But I, yeah, I mean, I, I, when I, I saw it in the theater, it was, I thought it was great. 
too. I mean, I was obviously a highly fictionalized take on the story itself, but I mean, other than that, I found it to be incredibly entertaining. I thought it was very well done, um, and I overall I thought it was great. And you know, it's it's funny because I, I know, I'm I'm doing the name drop thing again. I'm sorry, guys, but I was talking to Roly, and he actually just watched <laughs> it like two days before we recorded this, and we were talking about it. And he was hesitant to watch it at first because he wasn't sure about Tom Hanks as Walt Disney. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, in talking to him, he said he was pleasantly surprised. He said there were a couple of times, a couple of shots where he looked at Tom Hanks and he was like, holy crap. I mean, he, he <laughs> is Walt Disney in this shot. So you know, when somebody that knew him on that personal level um, gives him that stamp of approval, I think that's a, a very good sign. Yeah, that's that's pretty exciting to hear that. Um, you know, uh, not many of us were around when Walt was alive, so our uh, uh, memories of Uncle Walt are strictly from what we've seen on television or in PR pieces. And you know, you get a different view. And I thought Hanks did a wonderful job um, throughout the whole movie. I mean, yes, it was made for the Disney fan, but it was really made for the Mary Poppins fan. Yes, the film was. Yeah, and absolutely. There were things that Disney nerds like us were going to just, you know, I went nuts over. You know, when there's a scene where they're all in the story room and the character playing Don DeGrady, um, the hears the cough, Walt's cough, and he goes, uh-oh, man's in the forest. Yes. And I know for a fact that was a code name that they used. Nice little say details that, that we know about that they included in the film. Yeah, and that was what, and, and you know, the, the one of the last scenes in Walt's office where they're starting to show all the Florida stuff. And, I was and like, there's oh, a museum of the museum yeah, of the yeah. sketch was there too. It was absolutely fantastic. I mean, uh, the music was great. The gentleman playing the Sherman Brothers did a fantastic job. I, I think my only my only criticism was everybody seemed a little younger than they actually were in the '60s. You know, well, they have to be good, young and good looking uh, <laughs> on, on the screen. I mean, that's how it works. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, there were some features. There was, uh, but, uh, you know, for whatever reason, I feel like they kind of cheaped out on the special features here. Well, um, it's, it's like, it's we've mentioned this before, it's like every first-time release of a film, they know you're buying it to get the film. Yes, yes. And it's not until they do the re-release 20 years later that you want the special features. Which I hate, because sometimes they cheap out on those 20-year re-releases as well. <laughs> but, yes. I mean, they, they had that short segment, it was like a 15-minute uh, making of, essentially, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, was kind of a, a standard... Uh, PR behind the scenes piece, and then they yeah. also but had they, like but they the, interviewed a lot of um, uh, people that had worked at the studios during that's that true. time. Not, not not execs. I mean, you're talking about people that were um, mailboys or worked in animation, like the ink and paint girls and stuff like that. True. I really feel like they could have made that longer, and I would have enjoyed sure. it more. I mean, it was still good, but I still feel like it was missing uh, mm-hmm. a little little more. Um, what if they had the Let's Go Fly a, a Kite a special feature, which was like two minutes long. Um, again, I would have really enjoyed that being longer. And then just a handful of deleted scenes and trailers for upcoming films. So, oh, like I'm, Maleficent, hey. Like, yeah, man, that was cool, but I can see that on the internet. Um, <laughs> I can, but in I just high want def Blu-ray? Yes, of course, oh, okay. because I have a high def screen. It does. Yeah, good point. A big okay. screen on top of that. But, you know, I, I, we talked about the fictionalization. I mean, in reality, Walt wasn't there during most of uh, uh, P.L. Travers' time. At the be- yeah. When they were trying to woo her, Walt had left on purpose. But that's okay. I think this is a 
you know, but seeing Tom Hanks standing at the front of Disneyland, seeing him walk down Main Street that was great. on the carousel, that was fantastic. Yeah. So if you can if you can put out of your mind, you know, if you can get out of your head about the inconsistencies and, you know, the fakeness of the story, overall, I think it, it, it's a great film overall, and uh, I, I definitely think Disney fans will enjoy it. So are we yeah. going to give this two? Th- I'll, I think I'll give gonna... it one and a half thumbs up because of the features. Well, I was kind of disappointed in yeah, the disappointment with the features, but I was watching with a 10-year-old, and during the Disneyland scene, he leaned into me. He goes, I want to go to Disneyland right now. Well, there's thought, your excuse, There George. you go. What are you waiting for? I, I want to do a Kickstarter. I figured if Keith Gluck is doing one, I can do one. Oh, gosh. you got to be kidding me. But you're coming out in a couple weeks anyway, so it'll That's be okay. True. That's cool. That's true. So go check it out. It's, it's, you know, it's pretty much worth the price for the most part. Sometimes you might see it, sometimes you don't. Hey, look, what's that? It's a five-legged goat. So when you're in a bug's land at Disney California Adventure, you'll notice that everything is very large, like you're the size of a bug. And if you look above your head, you'll see all these uh, three, three-leaf clovers all over the place because you're in a clover patch. But if you look really hard, and you'll, if you know your plants, you know in every clover patch there is one four-leaf clover, and Bugsland is no different. Uh, directly above the churro cart is the single four-leaf clover, probably meaning that churros are good luck. I well, guess. we've known we've known that forever. We have known that forever. They're yeah, also delicious. Yeah, and usually if you're eating when you're at Disneyland. Yeah, more than likely. So you clearly do have good luck if you're eating. Yeah, you're one. lucky that one. Because where so. else you're gonna eat it? Wow, we'll have to uh, stake that out and kind of hang out during the communitor. And- yeah, yeah. And actually, fun tip, and I, I learned this from uh, Cadet Nikki. Hat tip to her. Uh, but that churro cart apparently goes through so much business that they have the freshest churros in all the land. So if you're going to get a churro, get it from that churro cart in a bug's land. Exactly. Cadets Nikki and Dave know their churros and know their corn dogs. that's for yes, sure. Yes, they do. Yes, wow. they do. Hat well, tip. Yeah, hat tip. I was going to say, speaking of corn dogs, I think we're hungry and it's time to go. I agree. So <laughs> thank you guys so much for watching and listening to us again. Yes, thanks so much. Be sure to leave us a comment and rate us on the iTunes. Now, tell us how many churros you think we're worth. Probably seven. Probably seven. That's nine. True. Okay. Nine churros. Nine. Yeah, we got to go with nine churros. That's true. That's our standard offer. rating. Okay, so you can always email us at communicorweekly at gmail.com. And you can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash weekly. And always follow both of us on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Imaginerding, and he's at Jeff Heimbuck. Be sure to give us a call and leave us a message on the Communico Weekly Goat Line at 424-785-4628. And don't forget to pick up your copy of Communico Weekly, the musical, now. The children of the Communico Weekly Orchestra are starving, and they need your help. And the only way they can feed them... Is by getting churro money from downloads of the musical. Exactly. 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 Well, for Jeff Heimbuck, I'm George Taylor. And for George Taylor, I'm Jeff Heimbuck. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We'll see you next time on Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show. Lifesaver.